the Sustainable Voice, bringing you big successes from small places worldwide. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is your host, Ashish. So I want to talk to you guys about something a bit different today. So I just came back from Peru, specifically from northern Peru, and it was amazing, as usual. I love going back there. Um, you know, back in December, obviously, Peru was facing some unrest and protests, and it has had an impact on tourism. And, you know, as, as a delivering jobs in certain parts of the, of the country, it's important to understand how disconnected Peru is from one state to another, from one territory to another, from one region to another. You know, there's a couple of different regions of Peru that are 97% dependent on, on tourism, and there's other regions that are only 5% dependent. It's a very unique issue, a very unique problem, one that actually is pretty easily solved, not by allowing, you know, large tour buses to go everywhere, but rather by being able to show the direct and indirect connection tourism has to people's jobs. You know, I, I talked about an earlier episode about how somebody who's selling vegetables uh, at a hotels may think he or she is not part of tourism. However, when they start understanding who's buying their vegetables, all of a sudden it's a separate, separate story. There's, there's a whole, there's a whole another angle to the story. That's what I wanted to talk about today is because, you know, I noticed something on this trip. So I was in Northern Peru and I was sitting down talking to people and there was this amazing museum that has, has over 200 mummies that are here telling a story that literally has the potential to rewrite history books about how Peruvian mummies came to be and what other civilizations they influenced because of the time of year that they were actually, you know, the, uh, in existence and, and the correlation it has. But that museum doesn't get to the story because nobody visits. Why does nobody visit? You start thinking about, you know, well, maybe I'll close the museum. You start hearing the curator just down on herself and you stop and go, wait a second. There is so much history here. We understand that it's a different uh, problem to have, but how do you preserve that? How do you preserve what's there? How do you make sure that what you're actually seeing is, is, really, is really key? How do you make sure that what you're seeing is kept for future generations? So I sat down with the curator and I said, how do I help you? She said, look, it's not a case of advertising. I'm not the Met. I'm not the Field Museum. I'm not the Smithsonian. So I don't have this budget that can just sit there and say, look, come here and, 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 and come visit the museum. You think about the best museums in the world. They're all in major cities that it's, a, oh, hey, while you're here, let's go see this art museum or this natural history museum or this, this modern history museum or whatever the case, the aviation museum, whatever the case. Here, you're talking about a remote town called Limabamba that's in Northern Peru that to get here requires a flight from Lima that only operates certain days of the week. And it's on a runway that right now doesn't take larger aircraft, but it could without lengthening the runway just by some more studies being done and a commitment that, that this part of the destination wants to be covered. So I wanna to talk to you about that today because this is not a situation isolated to Peru. There are other countries in the world where you have these hidden gems that are wasting away or languishing away because they're not getting the same type of coverage and the same type of, of effort uh, or muscle behind their message that something more mainstream 
occurs. So this could be a case of, for example, India and the Taj Mahal versus, let's say, for example, a lesser known temple or a lesser known uh, history of India in the southern part of India. This could be in Cambodia and the Cardamom Mountains versus Angkor Wat. This could be, you know, uh, going into Peru, northern Peru versus Machu Picchu. It shouldn't come down to that. Yet we find ourselves where oftentimes it does come down to that. And it's a problem. It's one that was laid bare during any kind of civil unrest. It is laid bare like it was during the pandemic. But it's one that, that we have to break, a cycle that has to be broken. Now, where does that start? I wish I could tell you that it's this person's fault or that person's fault. But to see a curator of a museum who herself was involved in the excavation of these mummies, knew there where they came from, and there's a story to be told, right? It's one of those notions where you talk to somebody who literally talks to dead people. And the story that she comes out with is just astounding. Uh, a theory that, that, that the Romans possibly learned to mummify from the Peruvians because of, of the correlation. And that museum is, is in danger of closing down because they're not getting enough support. Where have we, where have we gone wrong? Right? This, is, this is education. This is enlightenment. This is experience. We always talk about education being a key to the path forward, whether it's for our children, whether it's for ourselves, whether it's for future generations. Well, what better education than travel? And what better education in travel than going to a living museum? And the only reason that living museum is struggling is because the connections to get up there are so limited because they're not, the destination is not pushed, it's not promoted, it's not a part of anybody's marketing campaign. It should be, but it's not. I dare you, and, and I use Peru as an example, I dare you, as my listeners, go look up any kind of commercial on Peru. Doesn't matter who's putting it up there. It's not their fault, but tell me how many times you, how many times you see the Rainbow Mountains or Machu Picchu or the Amazon, something along those lines. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Two things happen as a result. A person who visits those places think they have seen the whole country and never come back, whereas there are separate regions of the country that we should go back to because they're worth seeing. The second thing that occurs is this cycle where you now start seeing a despondency within these remote areas where they don't care about tourism, don't need to be part of it anymore, or just completely disassociate themselves from an equation that is creating more jobs than any other industry. That's key. Now, I wish it could be just simple as, hey, tourist board, go ahead and put more money towards X, Y, and Z. It's not the answer. We're not talking about putting more money. We're talking about what you talk about where you talk about it, how you talk about it. I think that's that's really, really, you know, in, in, in terms of what, what's there. You know, it's, it's a storytelling, right? When we talk about travel, it's storytelling. Now, whether you're looking at Machu Picchu, whether you're looking at the Galapagos Islands, whether you're looking at the Maasai Mar, whether you're looking at the pyramids of Egypt, whether you're looking at, you know, Table Mountain in Cape Town, it's a story. Unfortunately, when you see the same sites over and over and over again in marketing and media and advertising and everything else, the story gets diluted because now your story is somebody else's story. And this is important because I had gone to Peru in March with my family and I remember sitting at Machu Picchu and this gentleman came with a vest from the tourism ministry and said, how was your stay? And asked me to fill out a survey. Half the questions didn't apply 
Why would I fill it out? And then the questions that did apply were questions that really have no bearing on a study, right? Questions like, how was your treatment at Machu Picchu? Were you dealt with politely? How was your, how was the food? How was that? Okay, great questions, but questions the hotel should be asking. Questions a tourist board is asking me should be more dealing with, with something with more concrete, something that could be used. So my question to the person who was giving the surveys was, what for? Why are we doing this? Why are we putting this survey forward and explaining it as saying that we're missing a huge opportunity if we're not asking the right questions, right? And we talk about storytelling. Those stories belong to local communities and remote parts of a country. So if any of my listeners are involved with the tourist board, I know some of you are, I challenge you, don't just come and speak to whoever is talking to you. Go out and speak to these remote communities. Go out and speak to the curator of that museum. Go out and speak to some of the hotel owners that are up in, in for example, in Le Mabamba or in Chachapoyas or in Iescas or in Huaras. Go talk to them. Ask them one question. How can I help you? See, if this question had been asked a long time ago, this episode probably wouldn't exist. But the fact that here we are all these years later and they are still asking for connections. They are still asking for support to the point where some of these parties are going, ah, you know what? Forget it. The tourism board is they're they're useless. They they don't really, it doesn't matter. This is this is something that really is unacceptable. If you are a tourist board, if you are a tourism ministry and your job is to promote tourism to a destination and, and that sustainable tourism to a destination, yes, you've got Machu Picchu. But if you are not talking about these other areas, then Somebody like me who is traveling to the country, what's our incentive to come back, to go and see the same thing again? As you know, as a famous comedian once said, it's like chewing a piece of gum that's already been chewed. Why, why do it? I would love to go back to Peru, and I go back all the time, but every time I go, I am doing and seeing something new. I'm going on my own volition. What if I didn't have to actually go on my own accord? What if there was an actual system? I don't mean referrals and whatnot. What if there was an actual messaging that showed how much more one can do in Peru? Whether it's hiking up snow peaks, whether it's actually going to the Amazon, whether it's going into other areas, whether it's picking quinoa for food, whether it, you name it, so paragliding, dot, 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 fill in the blank. There's so many reasons to go there. And this is just one country. I say this because something happened while I was in Peru that honestly just disappointed me to the point where it just, it set me off because I said, you know, wait a second. I am away from my family. I am in this country. I am pushing this country forward. And it seems like my time is not being respected. Not by the local people. The local people are amazing. The destination is amazing. We had a meeting with some high level official in the ministry. And two days before we're supposed to meet her, a meeting that was confirmed repeatedly the message we get is, oh, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be in a different country. That didn't just happen. And then when we went to her counterpart, it was, well, how many people can we have come in here? We have to promote tourism. We have to promote people entering the country. We have to promote do this. They weren't listening. They weren't listening to a word I had to say. And what they should be doing is what that ministry official was doing up at Machu Picchu, taking their recorder, going up to these communities like in Northern Peru and saying, how can I help you? They're so afraid that it's going to be about spending money when it doesn't actually have to. It could be about telling the right story. And I think there's, there's, there's something that's missed, right? It's their story. The local people, it's their story. 
We have to hear it and we have to tell it because it's a powerful story. I hate to compare the two, but if you want to see a tourism board that gets it right, that's Colombia. Because they literally had nothing to lose. They understood what was at stake. And you know what? You can't, you can't fault that. That really is pretty impressive. Peru has that potential. Ecuador has that potential. Countless other destinations have that potential. So it's not like I'm just picking on Peru. But the fact that a high-ranking official who actually had the opportunity to sit down with not just me, but several other people from the U.S. who can tell this person freely, this is what it's going to take to fix what's going on there. This is what you need to focus on. And the fact that she could not even keep an appointment was disappointing, to say the least. Very, very disappointing. And, and you have to look at it in just that sense that we're, we're, we're missing out on something here if we don't do this properly. You know, missing out with this region and missing out with, with promoting this part. I mean, up in the northern part of Peru is, is one of the, is the third highest freestanding waterfall in the world. You'd never know it because there's very few pictures of it. In fact, I remember in 2018, I was taking a group there and I remember I spoke to somebody in the tourism industry and I'm not picking on them, but they do deserve to hear this. And I hope that anybody who's listening will share this with them. And you know, if they're upset with me, they're upset with me, but they need to hear this because it's wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity. right? And I very rarely come out and will sit there and try to call somebody out and I'm not calling them out, but this is the only way I can get their attention. They're missing opportunity and they're not the ones paying the price, right? A new person comes in and takes over the role a year later and whatnot. The job just changes. But the people in the northern part of Peru, the people out beyond Machu Picchu that are basically trying to, to take all the risk, and they are taking all the risk. If you're a hotel owner who has built a brand new hotel that needs people to stay there, you have now taken all the risk to build that hotel. What happens next? Right? What 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 comes next? And to be told, well, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be in a different country, which I'm sure you would have known a while ago. If it's a last minute meeting, you know, okay, fine. But that's not really common. And I think there's such a huge missed opportunity in terms of, of, of what people say, what people do. And, and it's, it's a missed opportunity by tourism ministries worldwide. If they just simply, instead of coming and devising a, a fancy marketing strategy and sitting down with consultants, not that there's anything wrong with that, Go into your most remote community. If you're in Peru, go into Chachapoyas, go into Lema Bamba, go into Iescas and say, how can I help you? And que puede servirle? What would you like for me to do? Right? And que puede servirle? What, what can we, my, pardon my Spanish. But it is really that. How can I help you? What would you like me to do? Right. If we're if, if we are in service of our mother country, how do we do this? There's a track record for this, by the way. Uh, if you look at India back in 2002, right after tourism had taken a complete, you know, just a standstill when they restarted, they had this amazing, amazing marketing strategy that was focusing in on the Hellaskiing in northern Peru and the backwaters of Kerala on everything beyond that one state of Rajasthan where everybody goes to. And it was brilliant. And it corresponded into an equalization of, uh, of, of tourism within different regions where the same person would go to Rajasthan, would go onwards to southern India or go on to, to Madhya Pradesh or go on to Uttar Pradesh, other states. It had its effect. Even going up into the Himalayas, it had its effect. People willfully going up to these places. 
those of you who've been to Peru, you've seen Machu Picchu, you've seen the Sacred Valley, you've seen Cusco, maybe you saw a place here or there. What else? That's what I mean, is that the, the people that actually have the power to send this messaging to you, the people that have a mandate to send the messaging to you, they're not, go, they're not going and talking to the right people. They might sit around a table and decide the strategy, but how about going through? Another example of a tourist board that does things really well, Jordan. Jordan Tourism Board is one of the most effectively communicated tourist boards. They are remarkable. Every time you need something, every time you have a question, boom, out it comes. There's never a case where somebody says, oh, you know, I've got to be here in this country. I've got to be in that country. That just doesn't occur. They are always involved. Uh, and that's that's the key. Colombia, another one, very heavily involved, right, across the board. A place like Peru, a place like Ecuador, a place like Guatemala, a place like Kenya, a place like Egypt, they have the potential to do this. They have the potential to put something together that is just remarkable, right? South Africa tourism is another great example of one that does it really well. They talk about my story that, you know, God, I remember this picture after the World Cup of Mandela holding up the statue and the trophy and, 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 and just the pride that came with it. But they understood and they still understand. It's not, it's not a coincidence that South Africa is so much further ahead tourism-wise than some of its counterparts. It's not because they have something more than somebody else, it's that they figured out early on why somebody comes to the destination. That needs to happen in Peru. And the only way that happens is not by sitting on a boardroom. It's by putting your, paying your paperclip and putting on your hat and going out into these remote communities and asking them that question. How can I help you? Right. When we think about local hotels, one of our most popular episodes was about hotels that were locally owned versus ones that were owned by large chains. And I've had countless conversations about that episode, about the fact that people just love the messaging there. Well, it's the same thing. If you are a locally owned hotel and you're the owner, you are the one who has put everything, in some cases, everything you have and everything you own, and then some into this hotel. So you are will willing it to succeed. Just a little bit of help would go a long way. The conversation needs to be had with people like them. I, I challenge every tourist board, go and have these kinds of conversations. Go and talk to the people in the inner city community. Just ask them one question, how can I help you? They will respond in different ways and there'll be great responses. Something that is so, so important to, to look at, so important to, to just to, to put together, to look at, to look at different ways. I think it's, you know, something that you are, you have to tell the right story, right? I mean, you get to really tell the right story. I, I remember actually, you know, one of our guides uh, in, in Colombia was talking about what he used to do before tourism. One of the guides we had in, in Peru talking about what he's actually done and, and what his past life was. Those are huge things. Those are elements that we want to talk about, elements that we want to share. But they don't have, as I mentioned, those big budgets where they can come in and start making these grand statements and grand, it just doesn't exist, right? We, we have to connect. So when I talk to those hotels and those tour guides and everybody in Northern Peru, and I asked them, I said, what's the one thing you need? Connections.
We need more connections. We need a regular flight service between here. It can't just be one airplane coming three times a week. Look at what we have here. Look at all the history. We have ruins here that are a thousand years old in Machu Picchu. We have all the mummies that are here. We have all the richness in history that came before the Incas up here, but yet nobody can get up here. Right? We're not asking you to go and carve out a new airport. We're simply saying that you should have been up here talking to these people because they need your help. Right. Two of the hotels that are there and the third one opening up, they rely on tourism like any hotel would. But they made it a point to open up this, you know, to, to open up this hotel, to, 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 to make it a point to open the hotel up, to go through, to take all the risk. The least we can do is actually go and talk to them. The least we can do is go and have a conversation with them. That's the whole point of having a low, you know, a local experience. Anybody can go to a place like Machu Picchu. It's a great experience. Don't get me wrong. But when you get up here, your, your soul is moved. When you go to remote parts of Colombia, remote parts of any country, your soul gets moved. And, and it's a missed opportunity because of the fact that there's these connections. Right now, for example, there's a study being done in Ecuador that, that, that could lead to a way of Cuenca in Ecuador con connecting with Chachapoyas in, in Peru. And it's using a method that we didn't think was possible. Right? We thought the runways were too short and whatnot, but yet the testing has already begun to see how we can connect the two. And it's not the tourist board that's involved. It's a separate organization completely that's involved. That's huge. That's a, a big, a big, big part of this, right? Um, it's about utilization, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's about utilization of people. It's about partnering with people, connecting with people, and having this experience with people that changes your life and changes theirs as well. South Africa had this really cool campaign years ago called My Story. It was right after South Africa was offline. They were trying to build up tourism to the destination. They talked about My Story. People who had gone and come back telling their story about the experience. That could be huge for a country like this. You've gone and come back, tell me about your story. It could be humongous, but it's not being followed. It's this, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this, this, this protectionism theory that says, no, 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 no. We are the only ones that can talk about that. Or no, 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 don't, don't bother talking about your part of the country because the other parts of the country are going to make more sense. How do you do that? If we are a tourism organization, we have basically one job, right? And that job is to promote our country equally, not promote one versus the other, one more than the other, promote the destination equally. It's huge. It's worthwhile. And all of a sudden, it sends a message to the most remote parts of the country. Right now, if you're the Peru Tourist Board, you have a museum that has a ton of history from the pre-Incan times, mummies and all. And they want to close because they don't have enough people. When we had gone there, we were their first visitor, I believe, in three months. No museum should sit empty for three months. I don't care what's going on. No museum should sit empty for three months. That's key. Those local hotels with the owners taking all the risk to put those hotels together. We're not asking for the tourist board to come and give them money and, and invest. We're simply saying it's one hotel that has taken a huge risk to open. A little bit of help would go a long way. A little bit of help could be coming and seeing it, coming and doing different things, understanding how different parties connect, helping to be able to, to educate the local people. And actually, where these hotels open up in certain places, the fact that there's a correlation there where all these people are coming up and they've actually understood how they can give back to their community, how they do different things. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Inspiring people before they get there.
inspiring them, right? It's, it's, it's such a unique element that we have this ability to be able to promote these places, but we can't do it if we're just one, you know, talking about the same thing over and over and over and over again. At what point, and look, and Machu Picchu is pretty magical, but at what point do you stop and go, all right, I've seen it enough times. I'd like to see something else. Think about it. That's, that's, that's huge. So as we sign off today, it's really important that you actually think about utilization. We think about if you are working for a tourism board, if you're involved with the tourism board, have a conversation. Even if you're not, but you know somebody who is, have a conversation with them. Learn from the success of the tourist boards like Jordan and South Africa and Colombia and others to say, look, this is how we bring tourism to places where somebody we don't know has taken a massive risk to open a hotel for us. We reap the benefits of the stay. If you're the tourist board, we reap the benefits because the arrivals are up and everything is up. But what about the person taking all the risk who is not asking you for anything except to simply help their passion stay alive by providing them the tools they need to succeed in a, in a, in a challenging tourism world? Until next time, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Sustainable Voice. If you have a success story of your own, please reach out and share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.